Welcome to the Stony Plain Alliance Church Podcast. We are a community that is about discovering fullness of life for everyone by practicing the way of Jesus together. Well, good morning, everyone. Great to be with you this morning. For those joining us online, uh, welcome to you as well from wherever you are in the world today. We're glad that you're here. We are starting a new series this weekend over February. We were in a series on stewardship, and you all kept hanging out, so that's good. You're back for another weekend. And uh, we are starting into a message and a series called The Message of the Cross. And over this month of March, as we lead up to Holy Week at the beginning of April, we're going to be taking a look and numbers of perspectives of how we look at the cross and what the cross speaks to us, regardless of where our starting point is. And we know that every weekend, gathered here and online, There's all sorts of levels of belief, all sorts of histories and stories about religion and the cross and Jesus, but wherever your starting point is, I want to say to you, I'm glad you're here. We're glad you're here, and we're in the right place. And as we investigate things about the message and person of Jesus Christ, we believe as a church that as we move towards fullness of life in Jesus together, and that that life is for everyone, that testimonies are going to start to be told, stories, new stories start to get told of these ancient things like a cross starting to hold new meaning, new beauty, and new power in our lives. You know, I'm amazed whenever I travel. I've had the privilege to travel quite a bit, being international workers overseas and everything else like that. There's a few crosses that actually stand out in my mind in places that, uh, that I didn't expect necessarily to see crosses. Have you ever flown into Seoul, Korea at night? Has anyone ever done that? If you fly into Seoul, Korea at night and you happen to have a window seat and you look out over that massive mega city, what you see are thousands of illuminated red crosses. And every red cross represents a meeting place for the church, a prayer meeting happening, something else. And I was on one flight one time and uh, the pilot even said, this is one of the most spectacular views of night flying in the world is coming into Seoul, Korea at night. And all you see across the city are these illuminated red crosses saying, this is a place for the gathering of the people of Jesus, or a prayer meeting's happening here. I remember walking one time into a village uh, in North Burundi, near the border of Rwanda, and it felt like the end of the world to me, like there was, you know, no technology and everything else like that, but we emerge into this village onto this hilltop, and what happens, there's a church there, and on the church is a cross. Because years and years and years ago, people had come and shared the gospel And people had received that message with hope and gladness and been transformed. I remember back in 1996, as a young college student, you can kind of figure out my age from that, basically. Uh, 1996, I had the chance to live in the Philippines for a year, and that was my ministry internship. And I was in a city called Cebu, Cebu, Philippines. And in the center of the city near the town square, there's something called Magellan's Cross. You can Google it. Maybe Google it later, because I'm talking right now. So don't Google it right now. There's something called Magellan's Cross. And when Ferdinand Magellan was circumnavigating the globe and doing that first tour all around the globe, they'd landed in the Philippines. And some of the people that were doing conquest of the area established a cross. And so you stand and look at this cross, this historical artifact, and there's a couple of feelings that emerge with that one. One is, well, that's a really old cross. That's been around a long time. But it also came to re- represent some other things about oppression and colonization and all those other things. And it, it held a, a dualistic kind of feeling for me. You know, every weekend when I walk in here at, at, Sher- at Sherwood, Stony Plain Alliance, we're in Stony Plain. 
That's the first time I've done that in like a year. So give me, give me some slack there. Every time I walk into Stony Plain Alliance Church and I see the cross out front, I actually pause for a little second and give it a look. Because there's things that it means to me. I love that we have a cross there. For this series, we have the cross here. And I kind of wonder, what do, you, what do you see? Like, what do you think when you see that? Do you, do you actually see it? Or is it something that's just kind of, for those on this side of the room, it's just kind of in the way of the words from worship this morning? Like, what do we see? You know, the reality is that the cross is interpreted and understood in various ways within our culture and time. To some, it is simply jewelry or this really nice template for a tattoo. That's what the cross is. For other, it, others, it kind of holds this superstitious sway and carries the potential of bringing good luck or ensuring some kind of divine protection by wearing a cross. For some, it's an absolutely offensive symbol and only evokes emotions related to militarism or violent conquest. For still others, it either means nothing at all. Like, who cares? And yet still for others, it provides the lens through which all of life is understood and how life is embraced. Whatever your starting point is in relation to Jesus and his cross, I'm asking us over this next month to make a journey together and discover what the scriptures teach us about this cross. And not just about crucifixion. Crucifixion is that act of being crucified on crosses. That's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about this cross and what it has come to symbolize, to discover what is revealed in the cross through its message, its meaning, and all of those implications. And one of the words I want us to grab onto over this month as we step into this series is a word called cruciform. Cruciform is a really important word. And Daniel, you can bring that word up on the screen. In literal terms, it means the shape of the cross. It means anything that's shaped like a cross is cruciform. And so this is cruciform in that it has the shape of the cross. It has the beam going up and down and then the horizontal beam crossing the vertical beam. It's cruciform because it's the shape of the cross. But cruciform is more than just the geometrical shape. It's more than just that vertical and horizontal beam put together. When we speak of being cruciform, it's the shape our lives take. The shape or form our lives take when we choose to follow Jesus. We can actually live a cross-shaped life. What would it mean to have our lives be cruciform? That understanding the message of the cross and who Jesus is and all that this is saying to us, that's what our lives start to become like. You see, the Bible lays out for us, there's kind of a couple of ways to look at this. There's the way of the world versus the way of the cross. It always puts it in kind of those, into that dichotomy. The way of the world moves towards greed and scarcity. The way of the cross moves towards generosity. The way of the world is bent on violence. The way of the cross is moves towards love. The way of the world is about self-centeredness and getting what is mine. The way of the cross teaches us about self-sacrifice and laying down our lives for another and even how we treat our enemies. In the world, it's like you inflict harm on your enemies, but the way of the cross, message of the cross says you love your enemies. Do good to those who harm you. This is cruciform and it represents the way of Jesus that we can all choose to follow or not. No one's forcing us to see the cross in any particular way. But this month, I think at Stony Plain Alliance Church, see I did it? We can become cruciform people, people of the cross. And as we begin this series, we're going to be looking at the message of the cross as foolishness 
or power. And there's one verse I want to share with you from 1 Corinthians 1.18, where it says this, For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing or those who are not being responsive to God, but to us who are being saved, us who are being responsive to God and seeking to follow Jesus. This cross represents the power of God. Who are being saved, it is the power of God. Now this verse in 1 Corinthians 1.18 comes from somewhere. It was part of a letter to a church in Corinth. Now Corinth was this amazing metro city. It was, a, it was like a, a massive seaport within Greece thousands of years ago. And Corinth was this very powerful city. It was a very wealthy city. And the Apostle Paul had actually planted a church here. On one of his missionary journeys through Europe, he had stopped in Corinth and established a church there. And this church had kind of been functioning and going. There was followers of Jesus who were Jew and Gentile. And they were coming around this message of Jesus. And Paul had arrived in Corinth in this mega city of the time. This economic hotbed for the, all, most of Europe at the time. And Paul arrives in the city. And he gathered people together around the message of Jesus. And he pastored that church, led that church for about 18 months. And after that 18 months, as Paul often did, he get called to the next place, to the next place, to the next place. And as Paul leaves there, other leadership kind of comes in and, and is influencing the church, and things are okay for a while. But after a couple of years, things start to disintegrate. And Paul starts to get reports two, three years later that this group of people who he loves so much are starting to lose their way. They're starting to be factions and disagreements and division within the church. They're getting hung up on various philosophies. They're starting to reinterpret various ideas about morality. And they adopted a philosophy of the day that was opposite to the way of Jesus, opposite to the way of the cross. And so Paul writes this letter in 1 Corinthians. It's not the only one he wrote. He wrote a few. Two are in our New Testament. But this letter comes back to them in a hopes to address the issues of the community. And as he begins, Paul begins by setting the foundation for this community by reminding them of what he taught them and that it's rooted in that idea of the message of the cross. He says the message of the cross is foolishness to people who are perishing or unresponsive to God. But to others, it's the power of God. And that's a really important word, the foolishness and the power. Because that original word there, that foolishness, is where we get the word moria, it's Greek, and then it becomes moronic. It's really what he's saying. He's essentially saying for some people to look at the cross and understand its message sounds like the most moronic thing you could ever, ever think about. He's basically saying you would have to be a total moron to understand the message of the cross and embrace it as your way of life. And that's how some people see it from a particular vantage point that the cross of Jesus, some say, is only for morons in a, in a moronic approach to life. And he's saying there is that vantage point that can be taken. You look at a cross and say, well, it's just ridiculous. Why would anyone center their life and seek to be cruciform around that? To those that aren't open yet or receptive to Jesus and the message of the cross, it can appear to be kind of ridiculous. Lots still believe that it's the case today. Ah, it's just religious superstition, just moronic stuff. But then Paul says, to those who are being saved, to those who are living responsively to God and seeking to be apprentices of Jesus, the message of the cross is power. And that original word there is a word called dynamis. It's where we get our word dynamite. So it's either completely moronic 
Or the message of the cross is like spiritual dynamite that when it gets set off in your life, it absolutely changes everything. Same cross, two vantage points. One, totally moronic. It's totally stupid. Another vantage point, oh, this is the power of God to entirely transform my life. It's like dynamite. You think about the comparison. Paul says there's two ways to understand the message of the cross. And you get to decide how you'll view it. And your choice will determine the course of your life and how it goes. Will your life be away from God and in resistance to the way of Jesus? Or will your life be on the trajectory toward God and into apprenticeship with Jesus? You see, when you look at the cross, you will either completely disregard it or its message becomes the most life-altering power in your life. So what is the message of the cross? What are we talking about here? Maybe some of you are curious. Maybe some of you already know, well, this is what the cross means. But I want to take a few moments with you as part of this message. And as we begin this series, spell out some of the things that the message of the cross speaks to us. The things that we're embracing as a church and as a community to say, this is what it means to be cruciform. And the reality is, every single one of us comes here today with various hang-ups, difficulties, stresses, anxieties, everything else like that. All of us, every single one of us, knows that there's something in our lives that needs to change. There can be an emptiness in us. We're wondering where can hope be found, where can joy be found. And many of us spend our entire lives trying to find out what our meaning and our purpose is. Can I say to you that by listening in the next few moments, for some of you, my prayer this week is that some of you, maybe even for the first time, would be awakened to the idea that your pursuit of meaning and purpose, trying to find that in multitude different things, in multitude different relationships or whatever else, can end today and you can find your satisfaction in Jesus. I mean, what if the biggest longings of your heart and soul, when you hear the message of the cross, gets resolved as you choose to follow Jesus? It's possible. Because for some of you today, I think, dynamite is going to get lit in your spiritual life. And there's a potential for you to be absolutely transformed today. And whether you're in this room or online at home or wherever you happen to be, I want to tell you four things. Four things that the cross is saying to me these days through the scriptures and that I think the Spirit is saying to us that we're going to hold these things as even through the next number of weeks as we talk about various views of the cross and what's happening there. I want you to hold these four things and something to think about. Because without doubt, there are some here today that absolutely think this is already moronic. This is, this is ridiculous. But give me a few minutes. And perhaps in just a moment of, of humility, whether you've been a Christ follower for, your, for decades or decades, or you're just wondering about the claims of Jesus, I'm going to ask you to do, um, do something with me. And that is for the next few moments. Let's take a posture of humility. Let's say unto Jesus, I'm going to pray for us in just a moment, that what we're going to talk about in the next few minutes might not be so moronic after all. And why don't we give just a little bit of space, just a little bit of space for the Holy Spirit to do a new work in us, no matter how long we've been following Jesus or wherever we're at in our place in life. So I'm going to ask you to pause with me, and we're going to pray. Father, we come before you today and we're so grateful 
that you've given us the cross and that the cross has a message for us today. That what seems like just a couple of beams put together on a horizontal and vertical plane is actually way more than that. You're calling us, Jesus, to look upon your cross and to hear your voice about what you're saying. And so Stony Plain Alliance Church, those here in the room and those online, I bless you. I commission you, even in the next few moments, with a heart of humility to hear what Jesus might be saying through this message of the cross. Now, whatever skepticism, cynicism we may have, that we can set that aside for just even a moment and consider that maybe what we're about to hear is actually true. That the potential for life transformation that exists in these moments is a reality because of your spirit, Jesus. And so for those of us who kind of maybe just came to church, because, hey, we just come to church, whatever else, and weren't expecting an encounter with you, I pray, that Jesus, that you would surprise us with your love and mercy, kindness and truth in the next few moments. And there would be every single one of us ready to embrace what it is that the cross is saying to us today by your spirit. And we do that in Jesus' name. Amen. So like I said, we're going to be exploring specific themes over the next few weeks. But for today, I want to give us four things to think about. I was going to do three, like the classic preacher thing, but this is so good I decided to add one more. So we're doing four. Just four things I want you to think about. Because when we look at the cross, first of all, we see that we're forgiven. Second, we see that we're accepted. Third, that we are reconciled. And fourth, that we are free. I just want to work through those one by one because this is what all of us are longing for. No matter where you are in life, everyone is looking to be forgiven for things that have been that have done wrong. We're looking for acceptance. We're longing to be reconciled to God and to one another. And all of us are longing to be free. And the cross says that in Jesus Christ, all of this is a gift of God in Christ to you. First of all, it says we're forgiven. In Galatians 3.13, in another letter of Paul, Paul points out this idea that what Jesus did in going to the cross is he became the curse for us. In another passage, Isaiah 53.6, it says that God placed on Jesus, God put on him our sin. Everything that stood in opposition to a relationship with God. That the real curse, that the thing that stands against us most in life, is our own desire to do what is against God's plan for us, to to go against God's way. And the cross says to us today, every sin, think about this, every transgression we call it, or every uh, rebellion against God. So God has a way. God has a way that is good and right and true and loving. And yet time and time again, so many of us, all of us in one way or another, choose to resist that loving way of God. And so that's what sin is. It's when we step outside of God's best way for our lives. And so every sin you've ever done, think about this. Everything you've ever done wrong and everything you ever will do that's considered sin is absolutely taken into Jesus Christ at the cross and is forgiven. The separation between God and people was resolved by Jesus absorbing all of our sin in the greatest act of love that humans have ever been able to see. The cross is the act of radical forgiveness that gives sin and violence and retribution a place to die in the body of Jesus. What you're seeing at the cross, the message says to us, with all of these problems with sin and violence and injustice, as Jesus is on the cross, the scriptures teach, and the early church taught this as well, this has been the teaching of the church for centuries, that what is happening at the cross is all of humanity 
We are sinning our sin and violence into Jesus. That it's being collected, all of the sin of humanity, everything that's ever been broken, every tear that's ever been shed over difficulty and abuse and violence, all of that gets sinned into Jesus. And Jesus becomes the curse for us. And when Jesus dies and it says that he breathed out his last and he died and was declared dead, what's happening in that moment is that everything that stood against you in your relationship with God died in the body of Jesus as Jesus died. The scriptures teach that Jesus then descended. And what he descended, what did he do? He took sin and death to its grave. And when he rose again, guess what? He rose and sin and death stayed dead. So that what you have the opportunity to do in your life right now, by saying, Jesus, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go your way. I receive the forgiveness that you've given me on the cross because I believe that all of my sin, I sinned into you. And you took that and you buried it. And when you rose again, it stayed dead. So sin doesn't have to be alive in me anymore. How many believe that that can be true? That sin doesn't have to be alive in you? That sin doesn't have to be active in you and ruling your life? Because Jesus says the message of the cross is you're forgiven. All of the sin was sinned into him. You don't have to pay for it anymore. That in Christ's death, burial, resurrection, and ascension, he finished the work of forgiveness. Friends, we can be forgiven today. You don't have to wrestle with the sin that is so easily entangling because Jesus has said you can be forgiven. Here's the second thing the cross says to us. The cross says you are accepted. This amazing thing happened when Jesus breathed his last and gave up his spirit on the cross. In Matthew 27, it says that when Jesus died, something happened at the temple that day in Jerusalem. And there was this curtain and this curtain was a really important curtain in the temple because it stood as a representation between, as, as the distance between people, sinful people, and a holy God. Because in the middle of this, at the, really the back of the temple, there was this place called the most holy place, the holy of holies. And once a year, a high priest would go in through that curtain and make atonement to bring back together into relationship God and people through sacrifice. That was the way it had been done. And this curtain stood as this way of saying, listen, God's holy, we're sinful. There's no way that we can be in relationship with this God, but once a year our high priest can go in and do this act for us. In Matthew 27, 51, one of the testimonies of the church was this, that when Jesus gave up his spirit and died and took sin and death to the grave, this temple curtain tore in two. Now what do you think that meant when that happened? What it meant was that everything that stood against you and your relationship with God was now torn in two. There's no more special access to God for the hyper-religious elite. It was saying that everyone can be embraced and accepted into the family of God. And in 1 John 3, 1, it says, and you are called children of God. You realize that to be accepted carries with it this idea in the scripture that you are adopted. That God chose you as his own and says, you are my son, you are my daughter. And it really becomes the main phrasing, the main idea in the scripture of of identifying our relationship with God. You know that before you're a soldier for Christ or a servant of Jesus or anything else like that, the first and best name that God gives you is my son and my daughter. And he chooses you and he adopts you and he calls you his own. And you can go out into this world where there is so much uh, loneliness, so much this sense of isolation and say, if you know in the heart of hearts of your whole life 
that the depth of your being in the truest part of who you are, the God of this universe accepts you on the testimony of this cross, saying there's no more dividing curtain. It's been torn in two. You are now accepted. How many of us spend days and days wondering, what are my friends thinking of me? What are my family thinking of me? What's my coworkers thinking of me? What if our days began like this? We're going to embrace the message of the cross, that the God who made us and love us, loves us accepts us fully as we are right here and now. Friends, the cross says that we are forgiven. It reminds us that we are accepted as we choose to follow Jesus. But third, it teaches us that we are reconciled. 2 Corinthians 5.18 says, Through the cross of Jesus, we've been reconciled to God and one another. That is, brought back into right relationship with God and others. Again, it's that whole idea of whatever relational chasm was there, whatever gap was there, was resolved in Jesus' cross. And the whole idea of reconciliation is the uh, the whole sense of becoming one again. It's not existing as two separate entities. It's coming together as one. And in John 17, one of Jesus' main prayers, it's a beautiful prayer in John 17, as he's praying to the Father about all the things that are on his heart, the main thing he prays for is that his people would be one. That as Jesus says, Father, as you and I are one, I want them to be one, and I want them to be one with us. We'll all just be this big oneness all together. What if you knew at the heart of hearts, at the depth of your being, that where you are in God when you choose to follow Jesus is you are perfectly at home. That your life doesn't have to be fragmented. It doesn't have to be moving in a thousand different directions as you juggle all the stuff that's coming your way. To be reconciled means to not live a fragmented life, but an integrated life. Have you ever, any of you felt like your life is just being spread much too thin? Like you don't even know how far much farther you can stretch and you're not sure who you've become over here, and you're not sure who you've become here, and you're not sure who you are over in this context over here. You know how exhausting that is? You know how draining that is? When the cross says you're reconciled, it means this, that God is putting you back together. He's taking us all our so spread thinness and bringing us into a oneness with him and others that feels like it's something we were made for, because it was. The cross says you're forgiven. The cross says you are accepted. And the cross says you are reconciled. Here's what else it says. The cross says that we are free. In Colossians 2.15, Paul again is reflecting on the message of the cross and he puts it in these terms. He says that Jesus took everything that stood against us and was nailed to the cross. He says that Jesus triumphed over the power of sin and death and darkness through the cross. The cross again is saying, you don't have to live a defeated life. That the way of Jesus isn't just an alternative way. Might the way of Jesus be the absolute best way? Like the best way to live in freedom and reconciliation, acceptance and forgiveness is actually through the way of Jesus. To say that you're free means that you're free to live unto God as he has called us to. To live into the absolute freedom of God's love. And friends, we can begin to experience that transformation right now. Because I think so many of us, if we were to talk about what our lives feel like, we would use the word stuck. Have any of you ever used that to describe your life? I'll just feel stuck. I feel like whatever I'm in, I can't get out of. 
I feel whatever destructive habits that I have, I just can't break free. I feel like other things own me and have power over me. Friends, every time you see the cross, you know what it's saying to you? Nothing, nothing, nothing has to have that kind of power over you when you submit your life to Jesus Christ because he then by the Spirit becomes the power you need to overcome everything that stands against your freedom. You don't have to be stuck today. You don't have to be wallowing today in your situation. The cross is saying that there's another way, and it's the way of Jesus. Now, friends, some hear that, what I've just said, that the cross tells us that we're forgiven, that we're accepted, reconciled, and free. And the response is this, that's moronic. That's stupid. <laughs> that's ridiculous. That there's no way that's true. And if that's you, you can absolutely hold that view. But I would say this. If you can find an alternative, an alternative way that offers that kind of forgiveness, that kind of acceptance, that kind of reconciliation, that kind of freedom, that kind of love, in any other system, please let me know about it. Because what I've come to discover and what thousands and thousands of others have come to discover is that this is the way to forgiveness, acceptance, reconciliation, and freedom. It's through the cross of Jesus Christ alone. Some hear that again and say, well, that's absolutely moronic. Why would I trust that? And others hear that and think, this is like spiritual dynamite that is completely transforming my life. And friends, we get to choose the vantage point. This is what the cross of Jesus says to us. So the question is, how does that sound to you? I mean, take a moment. Let's do this. Let's take a moment. We're going to, obviously, in the next few weeks, more of the message of the cross. We're going to be unfolding things. But just in what we've heard today, like honestly, like with some intellectual honesty, be honest with yourself. How does that sound to you? What's your objection? What's your affirmation? What are you feeling? If you're resisting it, Ask yourself, why? What's my resistance? Why would I not want to receive this? If you're grasping it, it means God's doing that work in your life and you can't ignore it. It's time to surrender your life to him and be transformed. You know, you don't, for some, you've spent years on the outside wondering about Jesus. And maybe the wondering has to come to the point of saying, I'm going to put my faith in this Jesus and see if he's good. And see if everything Wade's laid out for us today is actually true or whether it is moronic. Instead of maybe standing on the outside as a skeptic wondering, maybe it's time to enter in and find out for yourself if it's true. And you can do that today. Because today, Jesus' main concern is that we've become cruciform. That in all the ways that we've been set free and reconciled, accepted, and forgiven by Jesus, that we become those kind of people as well. Jesus' main concern today is that the self-giving, self-sacrificial love that's expressed on the cross be publicly displayed now in our lives for those that choose to follow. In this room, in living rooms, in every room and in every place, that we become women and men that experience and live the message of the cross. The transformational potential of a group like this gathered here and online to say we are now as people who are free and reconciled, accepted and forgiven, to go and live that same way in the power of the Spirit is a work of transformation, I think, that would absolutely transform our, our, not only our lives, but the communities in which we live. Because the longing of every human heart finds its resolution in the message of the cross that we've talked about today.
right from domestic squabbles up to conflicts between nations. Like imagine with me for a moment if the world became cruciform and all of us were more forgiving, more accepting, more committed to reconciliation and freedom and spiritual freedom than ever before. I think it would make all the difference in the world. I'm going to call the worship team up and they're going to lead us. But as they come, I want us to just reflect as we come into this series together and give a moment for you to make a choice. You know, throughout the scripture, there's these, oftentimes these stories told that it's Psalm 1 or all through the Gospels where two ways of life are laid out before us. And these two ways of life are never just a one-time decision. It's kind of like that daily moment-by-moment decision. And so we've got some choices to make here today, friends. As I prayed about it this week and as I prayed for you, the church, and me as part of it, sense that this was the weekend just to simply lay out before you what Jesus, what Jesus's cross says and then say, how is it that you'd like to respond today? And so we're going to do that prayerfully. So I'm going to ask us whatever posture of prayer you'd like to take, you can do that now. Not under any coercion or anything else like that, but simply by the truth that has been laid out before us. We get to choose now whether we're going to be responsive to God and to this message of the cross or resistant to God and the message of the cross. And so I'm going to ask you to simply say this, no matter where you are in your spiritual journey, that Jesus, what message do you want me to hear through the cross today? What are you asking me to respond to? And just sit with for, the, for a moment and listen. For some of us, maybe we're hearing things about where our lives need to come into greater alignment with a cruciform life. We're not living into forgiveness. We're not living into acceptance. And yet, though we've received that from Jesus, we've been kind of stingy with it in our own lives. And maybe the message of the cross to some of us today is, Jesus, I submit again to your way, and I will forgive, and I will accept. I'll work for reconciliation. Because that's what the cruciform life looks like. If that's you, make your commitment to Jesus and say, Jesus, help me. I want to live in a cruciform way. And then I think for others, and this really was on my heart a lot this week on Thursday and Friday, that perhaps some of you have been standing out yet to make a decision for Jesus. You've been wondering about Jesus, maybe you've been thinking about what it means to follow him, and you've heard today that you can be forgiven, accepted, reconciled, and free in Christ, but you're not sure what to do. Well, this is what you do. You make a decision with the amount of knowledge and wisdom, with whatever you have right now, you can simply say, Jesus, I surrender. And I choose to follow you. I choose to accept that message of the cross as my own. You can pray that in whatever words you want, whatever way that you would say that to God. This is your moment of surrender. This is the way that you say, Jesus, it's not moronic. It's like dynamite. And I'm feeling the power of your spirit in me transforming. And so, Jesus, over everything you're doing in this space and online, I don't know what that is. Only your spirit knows, Jesus. But we, we all, in our own way, we surrender to you and to this message of the cross. Keep us from moving into that position that just calls it stupid or moronic. And instead, Jesus, in the days to come, would we experience like spiritual dynamite as we reflect 
on your cross and all that it means in our lives today. Hey, just kind of stay in this uh, attitude of prayer. Um, one of the most important things you can do today, whatever act of surrender happened in your heart, can you tell somebody about it today? It could be me, Matt, Chalene, whatever else, someone beside you. Simply just say, there was an act of surrender in my heart today. It's amazing what happens as a spiritual dynamic when we speak out loud to someone else. We testify, we witness to what God's done in our heart and what we've surrendered to. And so before you run too far today, if there's been a moment of surrender, would you tell someone today? I'm going to worship into that in the next few moments. Church, we bless you with all that God is doing through his cross, through the power of Jesus in our lives today. In his name. Thank you for tuning in to our podcast today. To discover more about Stony Plain Alliance Church and its ministries, visit our website at spaconline.com. Grace and peace.